is presented to you by Pastor Otis Barnett and Calvary Church in Inverness, Florida. For more information, please visit InvernessCalvary.com. Well, we're in the middle of a series right now called These Three Remain. And today I want to speak to you a message called Hope, the Anchor of the Soul. Hope, the Anchor of the Soul. Um, uh, as you guys know, we base this series on a, on a verse out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, which says this, And these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Uh, we've shared a couple of weeks on faith, and last week I, I talked about uh, how, how hope, uh, we are called as believers to be prisoners of hope. If you didn't get to hear any of those messages, please go to InvernessCalvary.com and listen to those there, or sign up for our podcast, and please go and listen to that. It's so important for us as a church that we lay hold of these principles, because these principles are in operation now, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and they will span eternity. That means that we get to operate in faith, hope, and love now and expand the kingdom righteously, and in eternity we're still going to operate in faith, hope, and love. There are many things that will pass away. Read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You'll find out about those. Uh, but there are some things that will remain. That means that you and I should become accustomed to operating in all of these so heaven is not a foreign place to us when we get there. I'm a firm believer that we ought to have tastes of heaven every single week when we gather. I'm a firm believer that we ought to have a, a little taste of heaven Monday through Saturday through the way that we live in faith, hope, and love. Because those three will mark eternity. And today I want to share a message with you called Hope, the Anchor of the Soul. It's based on a few verses from Hebrews chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 6. And we're going to begin in verse 10. Today I'll be reading from the NIV. And I, want, I want you today to get ready. Um, uh, when I was young, um, we, we were called, uh, me and my friends, we were, they, they called us the posse and we were all different races. So we went to all different kinds of churches. We went to Spanish churches and black churches and, and, and white churches, but mostly it was just the church. But I love going to New Jerusalem Missionary Baptist Church. When I showed up, I was, I was the minority. <laughs> and they did something called call and response. And that is that when the preacher was preaching, you were expected to respond. That there was a response that was coming. We, we you know... And when the pre if the preaching was good, it was really loud. Everybody was talking. That was way different than the way I grew up. Way different. You did not talk in church. You were talking, even whispering, Mama's going to whack you. You know, but in this church, there was a response. And here's what I believe today. I believe God is going to release a call 
And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to ask you for a response. Every single person in this room today, every single person, this is, uh, uh, I believe this is the overflow of what happens uh, when, when the pastoral staff goes and gets on a mountain and prays and seeks God for vision. And so that's what we did this week, and we've been praying about some great things that God is going to be doing in our church uh, in the coming uh, months, and we believe years. Uh, but today, it is real critical that as you, as you hear the call of the Holy Spirit, that you give yourself permission to respond. Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 says this, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end. Everybody say, to the very end. To the very end. So that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. For when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end of all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf, and he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, I ask that the Holy Spirit would come and release to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Lord, we are asking God for biblical hope to be in operation in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when you read this passage in Hebrews, many uh, uh, scholars would say probably Hebrews is one of the more difficult Bibles to tr uh, bi books of the Bible to translate. But this is not actually, uh, you know, that difficult if you begin to just look a little bit deeper. Now, we're not going to focus in all of the intricacies of of what it means to to give an oath in Jewish culture and what it means to for for God to establish covenant. That may be uh, a, another message. Uh, but today we're going to focus on the ingredient of hope in this passage, the anchor hope in this passage. Now, hope in, in this series is very simply defined as this. It is the joyful anticipation that good is coming. It is this joyful anticipation that good is coming. 
And so from the very beginning, you can begin to take a personal inventory and ask the Lord, am I living in biblical hope? Do I have a joyful expectation, God, that is connected to what you have said, to who you are, to your kingdom, an expectation that you are going to move? Or am I operating in something less than biblical hope? The word hope uh, in in the Hebrew is this word tikva. It means uh, expectation, something to be yearned for, anticipated e- eagerly. It's, it's something for which one waits. It comes from the word kava. It means to wait for, to look hopefully in a particular direction. In the original meaning, it means uh, to stretch like a rope at a fascinating uh, uh, thing as we were up praying, my wife read her devotional and uh, Jesus is calling uh, this week, and it was all about hope being like a rope. And you see, Rahab, when she was spared, she put a scarlet rope out her window. The name of that rope was Tikva. It was a scarlet hope. And I want I want you to understand some things that. Her experience there was symbolic of the salvation that you and I have experienced in Christ. That in the midst of a world that deserves judgment and the wrath of God, there is a scarlet rope of hope attached to the finished work of Jesus Christ. That when everything else can fall apart, God says, I am sparing you. And not only am I sparing you, I will use you in this hour. That is what hope produces. And hope, in this passage, one of the strongest descriptions of hope is an anchor. Now, I have a little bit of an experience uh, with anchor, and most of, uh, most of my experience with anchors are not good. I have a, a tw- about a 22-foot pontoon boat, and um, and I like to once a year go out with everyone else and go scalloping, right? Usually it's once. Maybe my kids beg me, you know, uh, again, and we'll we'll go out there, uh, you know, maybe twice. And um, and we we usually go out there. I will never forget uh, this one day that we were out there, and I have two anchors on my boat, and and there's a bimini, and you put up the bimini, it just gives you a little bit of shade, a little bit of relief. It's just a covering on the boat. But that day, I'll never forget, it was a day of very, very strong tides. And it was also a day where the wind began to blow kind of strong. I had out two anchors, and we're just swimming around, swimming around, swimming around. And I look up, and my boat is drifting away. And there's mud in the water everywhere. And matter of fact, there were scallops kind of swimming around in the mud being pulled up. And I'm swimming literally after the boat. My wife is on the boat. I'm swimming as fast as I can going, crank up the boat! We need some power because the anchors aren't working. The anchors aren't working. And I want to say this to you today. If you are not operating in biblical hope, you are probably drifting. 
And we're going to talk about what biblical hope is. And I'm not talking about a person losing their salvation. I'm talking about a person drifting off course. So let's talk about this anchor of hope. First thing that you need to know from this passage is that hope anchors you to fruitfulness. Hope anchors you to fruitfulness. Hebrews 6, 11 and 12, it says this. We want each one of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those through faith and patience. And they inherit what has been promised. Let me, let me put it to you this way. The point last week is that hope is our worldview. Uh, uh, an underpoint today would be this. The worldview of hope leads to active Christianity. The worldview of biblical hope leads to active Christianity. He says, we want each one of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. Listen, you and I are called to be engaged in the things that God has promised to us, ultimately tied to them, ultimately anchored to them, securely anchored to the promises of God. You know, the ultimate promise of God to us is, is eternity with Him, salvation through Jesus Christ. Now, we have received that through Christ, but we are also receiving it. That means that we have to hold on to that hope. It's, we do not check the box. We hold on to the hope of the salvation, the fullness of the salvation in Christ. Hope anchors you to fruitfulness because it anchors you to the purposes of God. Uh, last week we shared out of Zechariah chapter 9, and there was a portion that I purposefully left out that I didn't, didn't go into, and we read the verses uh, beginning in verse 12. It, it, it said this, return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare that I will restore double to you. For I have, notice these words, for I have bent Judah my bow, fitted the bow with Ephraim, and raised up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and made you like the sword of a mighty man. I want you to, I want you to notice what it says. It says, after he calls us prisoners of hope, this is what he says. He says, for I have bent my bow Judah. And he says, I have fitted the bow with Ephraim. Now, if you were just to read that, you think it's figurative language, only talking about a people. But see, in the scriptures, the names of people mean something. And so, as a prisoner of hope, someone who is walking in the fruitfulness of hope, this is what the Lord says. When you are a prisoner of hope, this is what it looks like. I have a bow that I have bent. That bow's name, praise. Judah means praise. It means worship and adoration. It means a, a, a divine response to who God is and what he has done. He says, I have taken the bow of praise, and I have 
fitted it with Ephraim. Ephraim was one of the sons of Joseph. When Joseph was given the blessing from Israel, his father Jacob, he says, Joseph's descendants shall be fruitful. Ephraim means fruitfulness. And he says this, when you are a prisoner of hope, your life will be marked by two things. Praise filled with fruitfulness. Praise filled with fruitfulness. You will be praising God in the midst of contrary circumstances. You will, be, you will say, God, you are exalted. God, you are amazing. Everything could be going a, a different way. And you're like, no, 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 I'm praising you. And in the middle of that, God says, in the middle of that biblical hope, where you are holding on to the promise of salvation, to the promises of God that he has given to us to experience on this side of salvation, he says, in the middle of that, as you praise, fruitfulness will fly. He says, I'm going to make you like the sword of a mighty man. Cut down the enemies. Hope is attached to fruitful Christian living. You are secured by the anchor of hope. When the tide is pulling against you, you're secured by the anchor of hope. Saying, God, I trust your promises. I trust your character. I trust your nature. I trust you. I trust you more than anything else. God, I trust you. And I joyfully expect that you are going to move in my life. I will not fret. I will not walk around in anxiousness. I won't be worried. Why? Because I am anchored in this fruitful life by something biblical called hope. Many of us, when we get out of hope, we enter something called despair. Despair literally means the absence of hope. And here's how I know hope and fruitfulness are connected. Because if anyone ever gets in despair, they stop being fruitful. When, when, when all of the air seems knocked out of them, they stop moving. When a trauma has come, when a lie is believed, despair. And you stop being fruitful. But if you say, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what. Come and fill me with the Holy Spirit and restore to me hope again. God will make your life fruitful. He will make you fruitful. Your life will begin to be filled with praise. You know, if you're always expecting God to do something good in your life, you do tend to praise a little more. I used to playfully tell some of the kids in the youth group, I'm God's favorite. <laughs> Followed by, after a pause, you are too. And if you know you're God's favorite, you just think, you got something good coming. I don't know what it is. You've got something good coming. 
most of us are taking our clues from the world. And it has to stop, church. We have to get actively engaged again in our relationship with God. And one of the ropes, one of the attachments, the anchor that we are attached to God through is called hope. We need to believe God again. I can remember several years ago, as pastors, we were praying together in this place, in that back room right over there. And I can remember God moved on my heart in prayer. And this, this prayer came out of me. God, if we don't hope for full altars, who will? God, if we don't hope for bodies to be healed, who will? If we don't hope for the drug addict to be set free, who will? If we don't hope that this gospel will cover the whole earth, who will? I believe one of the things that God is awakening in his bride in this hour as he's waking us up to his purpose is biblical hope that we joyfully expect God to move in the midst of circumstances. No matter what, is, what we're facing, no matter what our checkbook says, no matter how our family members seem to be making all the wrong choices, no matter if our friends are choosing a different way, we are saying, God, you are going to do something good. That is the stance of fruitfulness of the church. It's biblical hope, the joyful expectation that God's going to move. So that sounds a lot like faith. They're so connected. The anchor of hope leads to a life of praise of God for who He is and what He has done and promised. That praise launches fruitfulness that cuts down the enemy's advances. And I believe God wants to, to raise us up as effective men and women of God. When he says, he says, I have raised up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece. Greece at the time was the most dominant army of the world. The most feared army of the world. And God says, the prisoners of hope will cut down the armies of Greece. I don't know what armies you're fearing today, but if you'll get filled with hope, they lose. They lose when you're filled with God's presence, when you're, you're connected to his purpose, and you're connected to seeing his will come into this world. We win. We cut down evil armies as they advance. The second thing I want you to know about hope and this anchor of hope is hope anchors you to eternity. Hope anchors you to eternity. 
In verse 17 through 20, it says, Because God wanted to make an unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as the anchor for the soul, firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become our high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. I want you to understand this today. There, this, this whole passage is actually talking about eternity. It is saying Jesus has passed behind the veil, which is figurative language of the temple. But at this point, Jesus has not just entered a, 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 a temple on earth. He has entered the temple in heaven. Because it, we find out that in the Old Testament, Moses got the whole diagram of the tabernacle as a revelation, a reflection of what's actually going on in heaven. You see, Jesus actually went through the veil of earth, and heaven and entered into heaven and secured eternity for those who would believe in him. And those who believe in him stand firmly attached to that eternal life through hope and faith. They work together. Hope, listen to what it anchors. It anchors the soul. The soul to the promise of eternal life and abundant life in Christ. John 10.10 10 says this, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. Hope anchors the soul, which, which I define this way, as the mind, the will, and the emotions. The word uh, soul is the word suke in the Greek. It's the word that we get psyche from in English. It, it, is, uh, uh, it, it lends the idea of, of being your own living soul, your own living being. It is this idea of the breath of God in you made you unique and made you alive. What makes you uh, unique is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And this scripture is profound. It says hope is the anchor of the soul. And the whole context is that this soul gets anchored to eternity. Hope anchors the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions of man to the eternal when it, when it is more natural for our flesh to be anchored to the temporary. You need to hear that. Hope anchors us more to eternity when it, by our nature, our flesh... Our soul, our mind, will, and emotions our, is more anchored to the temporary. That is us by nature. And I would say this, our anchor is only as good as the ground it's attached to. And if we have let our soul attach the anchor of hope to the temporary that ground will fail. 
That ground not only will fail, it is failing. It's failing now. It's not working. Look around and see those things which you have placed hope or misplaced hope in. In this world, most of the time, we are let down. Is your hope fully anchored in eternity? Hear the call of God, the passion cry of a father in heaven who sees the consummation of the age is coming. This time is wrapping up. Jesus is coming back. Is your hope firmly secure in eternity? You say, you, you scare me when you talk about eternity that way. I hope to scare the hell right out of you. I hope that all of hell shakes and trembles at the thought that Christ will come with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and everything that we are hoping in that is temporary will shake under the revelation that God is real, eternal is real and it's coming to bear on us in this generation. We have eternal life. And we're called to possess it, but there is a battle. And this is the way it's showing up in the church of this hour. There's a battle between the permissible versus the promises. It's the battle between the permissible and the promises. If you are asking yourself, what am I allowed to do and still be okay? You are not in. That's not hope. It's not hope at all. You're anchoring your hope to the permissible. And I promise you, the church doesn't reach the world by looking like the world. The church is swept away in a wave of delusion according to the scripture the love of many wax cold when the church begins to seek pleasure rather than seeking God. If you're asking, what am I allowed to do and, and, and still be okay? You sound like a middle schooler. You're living for the temporary. If you're asking, how much can I drink and still be okay? You're asking the wrong question. What about when the laws change? I mean, God made marijuana. 
you're asking the wrong question. How many prescriptions can I live on? Legal ones. Still be okay. Numb to everything. You're asking the wrong question. How much entertainment can I fill my life with and still be okay? You're asking the wrong question. See, you're trying to put your anchor of hope in something temporary. You're asking the wrong question. The, the whole question about hope isn't about anchoring yourself to anything temporary. It's about God. How can I anchor myself in eternity? How can I anchor myself in your promises? Listen, I'm not thinking about revival and going to the bar at the same time. I'm not thinking about people getting saved and getting high at the same time. I am not thinking about myself. And a move of God in a region at the same time. We have to begin to say, God, what have you promised us? And that is what I'm going to anchor my hope in and going to spend my life giving my life to, pulling it in to this region, pulling it in and saying, God, my hope is anchored in you and your promises. I'm not going to live for the permissible. It's not a sin issue for me. It's about an effect issue for me. It's saying, God, I want to live in hope. God, I want to make a difference. God, I want to live in the fullness that you have offered to me. I don't want to just go to heaven and never see someone healed. Yes, your eternity may be secure, but we may have to give an account for all the things we didn't do. eternity is real. And if you're asking, what have I and others been promised in your word and by your spirit, then you begin to live in a hope that will be fully realized. This is how you live for eternity. Filled and anchored with hope. You say, you've got me shaking, Pastor, because you've got me evaluating some things. I want you to evaluate every gray area of your life and allow the light of God to come and permeate every ounce of it. And say, God, am I burning for you? Is my heart alive for you? Am I actually going to make a difference? Or do I just fill a seat Sunday after Sunday? You are not here for that. You're called to make a difference. You're called to lay hands on the sick and to see them recover. You're called to proclaim this glorious gospel. You are called to lift up your voice and to release the sound of the gospel that changes lives for eternity. You are called to go forth into every area and shine the light of Christ. You are called to make a difference, not just to satisfy your own soul. Hope anchors us to eternity. And I want your hope to be anchored there. And it may not be a sin issue, but it might be an entanglement issue. Because the scripture tells us that we are to abandon sin and those things which easily ensnare or entangle us. Most of the time, we're just wrestling over, is this sin or not? 
We need to say, is anything slowing me down in your purposes for me? Is anything slowing me down? I want to say, Jesus made a declaration when speaking of end times in Luke chapter 21, verse 36. He says, this is what it looks like to have biblical hope. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. How many, la- how many of us, how many of us, I'm, I'm so guilty. God, I haven't prayed this prayer lately. God, I pray that I am able to escape all that is about to happen. By the way, did you know Jesus is coming back? He is coming back, and I believe going to rescue us from the most horrific time that this world has ever seen. He is coming back. Matter of fact, you almost can't separate biblical hope from the return of Christ. You almost can't separate it. They go together. And I, I just want to ask you, have you been praying that way? God, I pray that not only am I able to escape, but God, that I am able to stand before you. Stand before the Son of Man. That is a powerful idea. Most of us think, wow, we, if we were to ever come into the presence of Jesus, rightfully so, we would fall to our face. But yet this prayer says, pray that you would be able to stand. I believe those who are standing are those who had their anchor fully secured in the hope of Jesus Christ, in the eternity that he offers through the cross, the finished work of the cross. And not only that, but have their hope eternally secured in the promises that we are to experience right here and right now. We are not going to argue over, is this permissible or is this permissible? It's God, I am going after your promises. And if anything is slow, me down, I am abandoning that. Whether it is sin or not, God, come and turn the searchlight on and let my hope be fully anchored in eternity. God has promised us eternal life. And we need to live in the hope of the return of Christ and the expansion of his kingdom until he comes. This is hope. This is hope. The joyful expectation that good Christ is coming. The joyful expectation that those things that he promised us while we are waiting on that glorious moment are going to come to pass in our day in the land of the living, that is hope. Everything else, let's abandon it. Let's empty of ourselves, empty ourselves of those things which are slowing us and hindering us and keeping us from the fullness that God has for us. I hope you've enjoyed this message from Calvary Church. 
For more information on this message or to listen to other teachings, visit us at InvernessCalvary.com. Connect with us for all the latest news on services, events, and more through our website or by following us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks for listening and God bless.